So I had moved across to Adelaide and didn't really know anyone. I remember going to recruiters um, saying, I want to work in marketing. And they told me, um, you won't get a job here because you didn't go to university. So oh. I was looking like a bit bleak. I just went like old school and went on Seek and this job came up and it was um, essentially it was a PA kind of office support in the regional office of Toyota in Adelaide. And yeah, just kind of went through the, the kind of interview process there. And then that's how I landed there. And then they have just huge amount of sponsorship. So Adelaide Crows was the big one. And it was quite funny because before I'd got that job and I'd moved to Adelaide, it was kind of a question of, are you going to be Crows or Port as, you know, my adopted team? And I'd, I'd decided Crows already. Um, and then, yeah, was lucky enough to land at Toyo where there was just like a multitude of uh, involvement with the Crows. G'day guys, coming up on the show today is Chelsea Guy. Chelsea has worked with Toyota Australia for over 10 years, having had a multitude of roles, most recently the Senior Digital Marketing Specialist. Last month, she joined the Melbourne International Comedy Festival as their Partnerships Manager, so plenty of laughs coming up for Chelsea. Her work with Toyota included working on partnerships with the AFL and the Australian Olympic Committee, which led to plenty of different work opportunities overseas as well. There's lots to look out for, including how to grow epic brand awareness, what it's like to work on the biggest event in the world, and how to constantly develop within an organisation. Let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the SportsCode podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker. Joining me is the purposeful Reuben Williams, and we are two mates who met at Cricket Australia back in the day, and each week we learn how people made it in sports. We tease out their career decisions, their work habits, skills, and everything that they do that makes them great, Also, that you can learn to get in, get promoted, and get thriving in the sports industry. Rubes, how are you, my friend? G'day, Ryan. I'm doing terrific. Thank you. I'm, I'm back in Melbourne, and, and life is relatively normal again. I wake up in Melbourne, I catch a train into work, arrive at my desk, do my thing, check my emails, speak to a few people, get a coffee, and then go home at the end of the day again, which is a lifestyle I haven't had for the last six months. So I'm adjusting, but it's kind of nice. How are you? I'm well. I'm uh, enjoying sunny Perth. We've gone from one extreme to the other. Last week, it was probably an average of about 38 degrees for most of the week. Uh, now we're at 25 and it was absolutely pissing down with rain uh, this morning. So it's a bit of a bit of a random one for Perth, but enjoying it over here. You can see I've actually got my Manchester City shirt in the back. I thought I'd add that to my backdrop for the podcast. Um, but yeah, feeling feeling good. I was, I was actually going to ask you, how are you enjoying getting the train to work each day, the commute? Because it's a little bit different to what you're used to. This week, it's been pretty horrible, I'm not going to lie, because it's been pissing down with rain in Melbourne as well. It's been gloomy, it's been wet. You walk out onto the street through puddles and then you wait for the train, get on and you know go stand with a bunch of people and, and travel half an hour into the city together. So this week, not so good. But I remember when I came back from overseas at the start of the year and I think I'd just returned from India and the first time that I was riding along the top of the train tracks and looking over the houses in Richmond and Surrey Hills, I was like sorry, uh, South Yarra, I was like, it's good to be back. It's good to see some familiar some familiar buildings again. But um, yeah, it might get to me soon. It hasn't just yet. Yeah, yeah. No, very good. We, we need you to get into regular rhythms and um, it's good to hear you. you're transitioning okay because it can be hard sometimes. I, I wouldn't know, but I'm sure it would be a little bit difficult. Um, I'm pumped about this episode, so let's get cracking. Um, if you haven't already, follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, we're pretty active on there. So you'll get a bit of content on there if you follow us. Uh, and if you want to connect with us and hundreds of others, we've just had our latest member drop. Uh, so you can join our next waitlist for our next drop, which is in February. Um, we'd love to have you inside. So uh, speaking of our community, there's lots happening all the time. Uh, and Rubes, give us a bit of an update. Yes, yes. Welcome to all those people who jumped into the community. We had 70 spots available and they sold out at the crack of midnight last night, which is amazing. And then uh, 
then today we just had Pete Williams run us through an amazing masterclass for those pro members all about negotiation as well. So welcome to everybody and I hope everyone enjoyed that, that pro masterclass as well. Coming up though, we've got plenty on offer. Uh, pro people, they've got a speed networking event coming up on the 11th of December. For the rookie people, sorry, pro is on the 14th of December. Rookie people, you guys are coming up on the 11th of December. There's a lot of communities. There's a lot of events. When you jump in there, you're bound to find something with somebody happening. It's confusing for us as well. Don't worry. We need people around us to make sure we're all organized. Then um, the Feb meetups are coming up as well, just around the corner. So if you enjoyed the ones that we just ran in November, pencil in the middle of February for uh, the next lot of events. Otherwise, if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on, make sure you get the uh, the newsletter too, where one of the things you'll find in there is our wins. Every week we share what wins the community have, have gone through. And there is a lot to shout out at the moment, Ryan. I'll, uh, I'm looking at a list of about seven different options to read out <laughs> yeah. here and uh, I'll pick a few that, I'll, that, uh, that come to mind. Let's start with Rachel Harris. Rachel has picked up a role as a performance analyst at Cricket Australia, which is absolutely outstanding mind you, because we get a lot of people asking for that specific job. Like, I'm not going to lie, Cricket Australia analysts, a lot of people come to us saying, how do I do that job? Rachel, you've Very absolutely rare. nailed it. Very rare. Well done to you, Rach. Who else we got here? Brad Schultz, Marketing and Events Manager at the Melbourne Central Basketball Association. Well done to you, Brad. And Luke Foley, longtime member, just picked up a job as an assistant accountant at Melbourne and Olympic Parks Trust with a wonderful team there, including Kerry Gassner, who uh, is a former podcast guest on this show. So plenty more I could go through at Marvel Stadium and uh, the Outer East Football and Netball Club, as well as Spark Event Group, to name a few. But uh, there's a whole heap going on. So grab the newsletter. You won't miss anything. Brilliant. Yeah, you're not wrong. There is a list of jobs going at the moment that is absolutely crazy. Uh, we'd be on here for the full hour if uh, we were going through everybody. So well done to all of those legends. Um, let's not waste any more time, Rude. This is a cracker. Enjoy this chat with Chelsea Guy. Rubes, we know as much as anyone the stress of receiving your ATAR score. You're absolutely right, Ryan. I remember stressing for days waiting to get my score and I thought if I didn't get it, my life would be over. Rubes, I was the exact same. I still remember the day I was holidaying in Hawaii, getting my ATAR back and thinking the world was literally about to end. Well, for those of you who are like us, don't fear because Deakin University are here to help you take the next step with confidence. Whatever your ultimate career looks like, Deakin will equip you with the skills to make it a reality. God, I wish I had this kind of support back in the day. Visit Deakin on campus between 11am and 4pm on Tuesday, the 12th of December to chat to course experts about your study options, the application process, or join a guided campus tour so you're confident in your preference decisions. Choose the number one Victorian university for graduate employment. Preference Deakin number one and search deakin.edu.au forward slash choose for more. Chels, welcome to the SportsGrade podcast. Thank you so much. So good to be here. Chelsea, you've had a, a long career in, in sports sponsorship on the brand side, but you've, you've just traded it all into, step into a new industry, the, the comedy industry. How are you liking your first few weeks? I am loving it. It's been de- definitely a sea change. Um, but when I went for the job, I could see the similarities. And now that I've been there, I've been there a month, I, I can definitely see the crossover. You know, it, it's major events. There's grassroots levels to it and, and the major event and kind of all year round activity for this one kind of pinnacle event. Um, but yeah, it's been really inter- interesting. Like there's definitely like a different sort of lingo um, that I wasn't aware of. So I've been learning a lot as well. So yeah, it's and, really fun. And the most important thing about working in events is, you know, do you get access to tickets and have you made sure you can <laughs> yeah, sort out your friends and family? Uh, I'm sure I will be able to. Yeah. I, I haven't got too ahead of myself, but I know it'll come. Excellent, yeah. excellent. We got to cross those important things off first when you yes. when you take on a new job. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'll definitely be doing lots of hosting, uh, corporates and stuff as well. So I'll yeah definitely be involved and um yeah, we'll know who who's good to see as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Have you found yourself laughing more? I always laugh a lot at work. Um, so I guess now it's just not as weird. Yeah. <laughs> now, now it's, it's acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Whereas in the past, if you're watching sport at work, then that was okay. <laughs> Not so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. Nice, Charles. Well, we usually start our episodes with some quick fire questions so we can get to know you a little bit better. Um, so I'll start. Uh, what was your first ever job? Our first ever job uh, was helping out my parents in their business, which was an accounting firm. Um, so it was kind of like early high school and I would just go down after school and do the um, the bank and post office run for my mum so she didn't have to. Um, and it was usually for the benefit of chocolates or a lift home from, yeah, so I didn't have to catch the bus essentially. Yeah. Nice. I used to work at a bakery and I remember at the end of the day, you'd have to hand over the cash and give it to, yes. the, give it to the responsible person who would take it to the bank and, and bank it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a core part of the day. Yeah. 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 And what did you study at university? Um, I studied event management at Swinburne um, and then later on I did business marketing. Lovely. And your favorite sporting moment of all time? Ooh, such a toughie. Um, I love Olympics. So... My favorite sporting moments are definitely Olympic related. And I just have so many from Tokyo that it's difficult to pull them apart. Um, but mostly it's that that Olympics happened. I remember watching, uh, was it Ariana Titmus and oh, Dean Boxall? Amazing. About to break the glass on the. Yeah, there were so many good ones from that, the, that the swimming the that best. year. It was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And the best thing is, is it even shorter wait to the next one? So it feels like yeah, it's happened. Yeah. Another one's around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, good build up. Yeah. And uh, do you have a favorite question that you like to ask candidates in an interview? Favorite question. I think I'd like to ask why they're moving on from a previous job. Um, and I think a little bit just to gauge, is someone going to be like, frankly, honest with me or like, how can they like like you know being pc about it just to kind of see their their communication style on mm. on that you know a bit of a weird topic yeah. um yeah because you it would it would be quite revealing yeah so yeah know, why are you getting out of there was it yeah. a problem with you or was it a problem with the organization yeah yeah mm. and uh i think those sort of questions can just give you a feel for the person and kind of culture fit as well make makes them be honest make as well want... which is always good yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if i'm in an interview i want to i want to know who i'm going into work for as well before it gets you know to that um point so i want to really understand the culture fit so i would want to know the management style of my manager mm -hmm. are they like super hands off and chill and, and kind of let you go with it which is what the way i work best um, and as well as just kind of what the day-to-day -day looks like in terms of kind of oh, daily, weekly meetings with the team, kind of what's the check-in points, um, just to get a feel for, yeah, what it's going to be like when yeah. you're in the role. And did you use them in your comedy festival interview? Yep. Nice. Yep. <laughs> nice. And I was very happy to hear that it's a very like flat organization. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. So it's not a, a every single morning check-in type operation. No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> I remember there was a time when I was at CA during COVID and probably given, you know, it was during COVID. So there's a lot happening, but I remember we had like a, a check-in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all the same meeting. And like, not to say mm -hmm. it was bad, but like after a while, I was just like, this is, this is hard. I'm struggling to get through this. So yeah, like we you had Chelsea, a daily one for a while. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. Um, I'm not sure if you're a book or a podcast fan, but do you have any that you'd recommend that's helped you in your job? Um, one that's helped me in recent years is, well, it's more so an app than anything, um, the Harvard Review, um, Harvard Business Review, that is, um, has lots of good articles in there and a lot of them kind of link to like further suggestions on further reading or, or things like that. So there was definitely one I read last year. And this was kind of pre-chat GBT and just all of the, the fuss about AI. Um, but it was a recommendation for a book about digital marketing um, and AI. And um, yeah, it was re really, really good one. Um, the hard, name I can't remember. We've uh, we've never had someone recommend an app. I'm, it's kind of like a Kindle app or an Audible app where it takes you to a catalog of Yeah, so it's blogs, a subscription. Um, and yeah. Um, yeah, monthly subscription. And then there's just lots of articles within, but there's lots of that kind of soft skill stuff. And like, how do you talk to your manager about this? Or like, how do, how do you try to get a promotion? Or um, how do you develop your leadership? There's all of that stuff in there. Yeah. Um, but then there's some really like topical stuff as well. Um, 
And I did notice on Spotify, I looked it up last week, that there's some some free, free stuff on there as well from After Business Review. Amazing. We are, it's different. Thank you for sharing that. Um, are you associated with any grassroots sporting clubs at the moment? Uh, not grassroots, um, but I am joining the Melbourne Aces this week and volunteering for the rest of the season. Amazing. Yeah. How did you get connected nice. with them? Um, I just saw an ad for an intern on the um, sports people portal. Yep. Uh, it was for ticketing um, and I just called them up and ended up having a chat to Melissa in marketing. And um, yeah, had a good chat, told her my um, backstory and sent through my CV. Um, and then she said, oh, like, don't join ticketing, come join me. <laughs> You'd be better <laughs> no. suited. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, just from a phone call on a job ad. Um, yeah. And just found, yeah, a different area that wasn't advertised, I guess. What, the greatest hospitality experience I've ever had in my entire life came out at Laverton at the Melbourne Aces baseball Really? Period. Yes. Wow. So I got an invite from... Um, an incorrect invite, might I add. I, Jet Couriers thought I was their contact at Cricket Australia. And so they invited me along to the baseball with a guest, which I accepted, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I rolled, rolled into the Laverton Baseball Park one day. It was like, I think right I tried to get you to come, but because it was like 40 degrees on a Friday night, no one wanted to come with me. Anyway, one person said yes, but we rocked up to the baseball park and they showed us through the function room behind the home plate, which is like really dressed wow. up with like American style sort of paraphernalia and everything. And then they take you out th to this door and they've got these like lounge chairs behind the net, but in front of the glass in of the function room. So now you are directly behind the catcher and the pitchers throwing it, you know, hundred Ks an hour, or whatever they do uh, right in front of you. And the, the ball's skimming off the bat and it's hitting the net like right above your face. And you, like you are as close to the action as you can comfortably get mm. whilst still being able to sip on a Corona Rita, which they bring around every half an hour or so. So I thought it was outstanding what they did out there. That's amazing. Mm. Did, yeah. did they have like massive have to... hot dogs and stuff there? Everything. Ice cream, hot dogs, a yeah. lot of it. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what it's like. It's really yeah. cool. It's yeah. really cool. Um, I love how we're willing tangent. to like, <laughs> we're willing to say like, it's been a while now. So we're able to say like, it was jet curious. Like they, it was them. They, they thought oh, we haven't right. even spoken about the basketball as well. We might've got to as well, but that's probably a story for another day, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. um, we milked a lot of incorrect hospitality from jet curious. <laughs> yeah. But they're great. Go to them for all your curious needs. Yeah. They're fantastic. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you, Brett Ralph. Yeah. Legends. <laughs> Um, Chels, last one before we uh, we crack into the the main segment of the podcast. But uh, if you had thirty minutes to pick anybody's brain, who would it be? Um, I would love to chat to Ash Barty. Like, just she's just amazing. Um, so back when she won the AO a couple of years ago, I was at that match. And it was incredible to be part of. Um, and I guess it just goes for tennis, elite tennis players in general. Like, it's such an individual sport. And, you know, there's no set time frame. So, like, they can just be out there in grueling weather, particularly at the Oz Open. Um, and it's just so psychological. And it's I just love how they can turn things around. So, in that final, like, she had it, but she was going to lose a couple games. And then you could just see her kind of dig in. And she was like, I'm not, I'm not losing a set. I'm not letting this go to three. And then she just came back swinging and just smashed it in, yeah, straight sets. So just, yeah, that kind of thought process, I guess. Mm, should be a phenomenal one. Mm. I think the other side of her that I really admire is her confidence to back her decision to leave the game. Oh, which, that was amazing. Which yeah. everyone is saying like, why would you do that? You're the best in the world. But she, you know, yeah. she knows what she wants and she wants to stick to that. So it takes a certain type of person too. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. She's a gem. Awesome. Well, We've got a lot to cover in this because you've had a massive 10 year career with Toyota, as we mentioned, but before we dive into that, can you uh, tell us a bit about how you got your start in the sports industry? Um, my start, yeah, my start in the sports industry goes back to me starting with Toyota. Um, so I had moved across to Adelaide and didn't really know anyone. Um, and I remember going to recruiters, um, saying I want to work in marketing and they told me, um, you won't get a job here because you didn't go to university. Um, so oh. I was looking like a bit bleak. <laughs> um, and then I, yeah, I just went like old school and went on seek and this job came up and it was um, essentially it was a 
PA kind of office support in the regional office of Toyota in Adelaide. Um, and yeah, just kind of went through the the kind of interview process there. And then that's how I landed there. And then they have just huge amount of sponsorship. So Adelaide Crows was the big one. Um, and it was quite funny because before I'd got that job and I'd moved to Adelaide, it was kind of a question of, are you going to be Crows or Port? Um, as you, you know, my adopted team and I'd, I decided Crows already. Um, and then, yeah, was lucky enough to land at Toyo where there was just like a multitude of uh, involvement with the Crows. You were in regional support for Toyota in Adelaide. Yep. <laughs> that is outstanding. Yes. Where, where's the office for that? Um, It used to be, when I started, it was Edwardstown, which is kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not in the city. Um, how, how far from the city we're talking? Far, like 20 minute drive. It's kind of like, in a southwest kind of fringe suburbs. Yeah, that's far um, It's kind of bordering on industrial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe not that far. <laughs> um, but then um, they're now in the Adelaide uh, Airport Business Park um, in, in a kind of newer building there, and there's quite a quite a few businesses around there now. Mm. Yeah. So not, not terribly glamorous. How did you make your way into the partnerships team from that point? Um. How did I? That's a good question. It just kind of happened. Yeah, it kind of was in that role for about a year or so. I was, I was helping out on events, but not so much on the, the sponsorship side, just other, other kind of corporate events. Um, and then, um, yeah, a, a new role was kind of created in marketing. Um, and I stepped into that to help the marketing manager. And, and we looked after the, the crows with that, as well as kind of any of the sponsorships filtering down from head office. So cricket, um, we also had a netball SA sponsorship for a year when I was in that role. Um, and yeah, just anything else that kind of came from head office that was having like an Adelaide kind of activation or event, um, I'd be involved in. And was was this like your ability to transition department? Was this a role that was only advertised internally or did they go to market with it or was it created specifically for you? It was a new role. Um, it was just a matter of there was a bit of a restructure and they realized um like more heads were needed in regional marketing. Um, it's where a lot of sponsorships happen with Toyota. There's there's definitely the national ones, but then there's a lot that happens at the state-based level. Um, and so there was just a recognition that more heads were needed. And um, in this instance, they all went to internals and all kind of promotions. Every single one went to internal? Yeah. Wow. wow. How many yeah. roles did that have been? Uh, maybe five across Australia. Yeah. 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 One per state. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. So that's just like, there's a hidden job market at work. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffy's just to get um, in and then go for internal jobs and you're good to go. Exactly right. Just got to get the foot in. Yeah. But I, I love, I love how like, for example, like where Ryan and I worked at Cricket Australia, we would often hear of people starting on the reception desk or in, or in, you know, office support or whatever. And then they make their way into different parts of the business and people in all corners of sport often say that, you know, reception is the best role to get because you can, you can only go up from there. And uh, it's very interesting hearing how you've done it on a sponsor side, because a sponsor could be any type of business with any sort of, you know, entry level role. So to hear yep, coming absolutely. through the, you know, the motor industry is. Yeah. And I, I'd probably say on that, it's, you know, I wasn't a one-off case that happened quite a few times with that kind of the ro the admin role going into the marketing role mm. and just stepping up. Yeah. But that, that's you, almost like a, tactic we haven't discussed Ryan like you know find a massive brand yeah get the foot in the door and then go sideways yeah yep. elite strategy <laughs> mm. oh, you know what I'll say also yeah. about the like the PA reception role is you get to meet everybody in the business so like if your goal is to to move up well you're gonna meet everyone super super quickly so like no wonder you were able to yeah, absolutely. know that that so job's that. happening. You know the people that are involved and that probably allowed you to to shift into that seamlessly. And look, I didn't even have to apply for that role. Um, it just, I was pulled into the office and told, hey, I've got some good news. <laughs> You're doing this. <laughs> so that was a very good day. We need you at the crows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice one. Chelsea, we'll just touch on the Toyota part, but take us back and, and sort of walk us through the series of jobs that you've that you've had and until today at uh, at the comedy festival. Yeah, so I did um like after studies, yeah, did a bunch of volunteering in the event world. It was things like the kind of great big bike ride and and things like that um to kind of help get that first job. Uh and my first job was at a kind of experiential event agency. Um that was in South Yarra. 
and they did things like the um like Grand Slam oval activations at the Oz Open. They did like Birdcage at the races and Grand Prix. So all those kind of corporate structures slash activations. Um, so I was, again, that was a, you know, reception kind of role put in the door. So that was like my main role, but then I helped out on events as well um, on the producers, uh, with producers that, um, yeah, managed the different activations. Um, so yeah, that was my first role. Um was there for about a year um and then I jumped to Aegis Media Mitchell and Partners in uh so big media agency and I was in admin there as well in the HR team um and I always wanted to jump into one of the the, the media companies from corporate um but I didn't make the jump um I was a bit scared of going backwards um kind of down the ladder um and then from there, I moved to Adelaide and then started with Toyota, which was 10 years ago. And then th- 10 years at Toyota, how did you kind of progress from role to role to role and, and even some of the projects on that journey too? Yeah. Oh my gosh. A lot to cover. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess in a nutshell, I did four and a half years in Adelaide. Um, so that was going from the PA role to marketing coordinator. Uh, so that was doing all of the yeah, sponsorship activations with the Crows. Um and my favorite one was Hilux Hill, um, which is still there to this day, which is just such a great activation and get so much media coverage. Um, I did a lot of ticketing um, and then a lot of kind of corporate events for our customers who were the, the dealer network in automotive. Um, I then uh, jumped back to Melbourne at the time when automotive manufacturing was closing Australia. So end of 2017. Um, so that was a huge, um, huge amount of jobs available at that time because uh, Sydney operations, which were sales and marketing, were moving to Melbourne and not everybody was going to make the move. So it was a, a lot of open roles. Um, and I, yeah, took that chance to move back closer to home to Melbourne. Um, and in that time, there was an interim period where we needed to go to Sydney most weeks for like a six-month period, shadow the people that were not making move to Melbourne and learn their roles, um, and then eventually end up in Melbourne. Um, so there was a good six, six-ish months of kind of fly in, fly out um, into Cronulla is where we stayed. That's where the office was. Um, and that was um, moving into a n- no way related to sports role. Um, it was kind of product marketing. So really about the vehicles and the specs of vehicles. Um, so I just thought, you know, I do work for a car company. I, I may as well give this a go and, and, and learn the core products. Um, so yeah. And then I ended up back in Melbourne and did, um, yeah, did that for a couple of years and then got myself on a secondment to Tokyo uh, for the Olympics. How, how did you manage that? <laughs> Good question. Um, <laughs> So it is an existing program. Um, so it's a secondment program that, you know, do exist in a lot of, a lot of big companies, um, you know, there's global footprints. So there's, there's a chance, um, you know, to get experience from a global level. So um, I hadn't heard about it too much um, until I was just leaving Adelaide uh, and a friend and colleague of mine was kind of tapped on the shoulder to, uh, make the move to Japan, but to Nagoya office. Um, so he was in a different department to me. Um, but he just spoke the world of that experience, living and working in Japan and this global experience. And, you know, he just told me, if you get the chance, like you, you've got to do this. Um, so that was kind of the first time I'd heard of it. And then I started to hear more about it when I got to Melbourne with, um, I guess, um, stories from senior people in the business. Um, and then, yeah, I just put up my hand and went through this, yeah, went through the internal process and uh, was thankfully selected um, to head over. And lucky for me, it was uh, Tokyo Olympics timing. So how, how long was your secondment? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Wow. And was it was it created with any sort of purpose towards the Tokyo Olympics? Or you just happened to be there? Um, I didn't know when I applied for it that it would be for Tokyo Olympics, but... I knew the timing was around then and I was really hoping for the best. Yeah. <laughs> Even if that. you could just be in the vicinity. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I hoped it would be that. And yeah. Yeah. 
it yeah. worked out that way. And then when you were on the ground, like what were what were you dealing with with the Olympics? Um, so I was in the global marketing team based in the Tokyo office. And um, so we were a team half made up of employees in Japan. And then we had half a team in the US. And then we had creative agencies in the US and Japan. So we were like this whole kind of one global team. Um, from a kind of Toyota audience perspective, we looked after 30 key global markets that we supported with um, paid media campaign. Um, and then just a whole lot of activity surrounding that, that led up to the Olympics from the kind of one year to go mark um, was the kind of the real kickoff um, on that campaign. And for myself specifically, I was in the digital team. So I looked after the global website that supported that campaign that was in seven languages. Um, so it was content on Toyota sponsored athletes from around the globe and their inspirational stories. Uh, the campaign start your impossible. Um, and what else was on there? Mobility products. So all of the fun kind of robotic type, um, automated mobility that was set to be at Tokyo. Um, we had that as part of our TV season and kind of web content. Um, so it's just ensuring that we were aligned to kind of key, um, key timelines of that, um, yeah, of that campaign. And then I also did some social media content that was joint with, uh, Olympic channel, part of IOC. Um, so again, it was just kind of social media content with, uh, our Toyota ambassador athletes, um, just creating that engaging content in the lead into Tokyo. And was it challenging doing all of this whilst COVID was going on? Because, you know, the Tokyo Olympics will always be remembered as the games that no one could attend. And yeah. for the athletes, it was, you know, fly in, fly out as soon as your event is done. What was it like from a sponsor trying to get involved? Yeah, so definitely a, a big change from when I went in, which was start of 2019, I went over. Um I can, I can remember, remember when that announcement happened so clearly. Um, I personally felt a lot of relief because it just took a long time for that to finally come out. And we were, we were having to plan for as if the games were happening and our campaign was going out as well as contingencies at this kind of March, April timing. And it was kind of stressful then. So when the call was made, it was a bit of a relief. Um, but then just a very interesting time because, you know, the big plans that we had and and not, not just us as a sponsor, but the, the whole, the whole games and, and everyone who had kind of skin in the game, everything just kind of shrunk from what the plans were to what would be. So look a little bit sad in that way, but um, I guess, I guess like a lot of businesses, we just pivoted to kind of content to kind of keep engagement in that time because yeah, you know, it was obviously a whole year in between and we were ready to go with our 100 days to go campaign. So that kind of went on pause and then we're like, what can we do? So it was, you know, working with a lot of athletes doing their kind of social content at home, um, seeing what other milestones were along the way. So there was like an Olympic day, then there was like a, this would have been the Olympics, but now it's one year to go. <laughs> Um, so just keeping, yeah. And, and supporting athletes financially as well and things like that. Um, obviously they had it tough. They're still having to train for an Olympics, um, and some of them in these intense lockdowns. Um, so it was just, yeah, keeping content going, keeping communication open, um, with athletes, with, um, with our stakeholders, which for, for me and our team in global, it was with Toyota affiliates around the world that were part of the campaign. So uh, each kind of person in our team looked after a different region, um, but I was the only, I guess, native English uh, speaker there. So I, I dealt with a lot of the English countries. So I had a lot of contact with Europe and US and Oceania. Um, so it's just, yeah, understanding what's going on locally, what's the sentiment, um, and then, yeah, just trying to keep yeah, trying to keep some momentum. Did did Toyota hold on to all their athlete sponsorships or, you know, did they lose money? Therefore, they thought we've got to slash some stuff somewhere. Sorry, athletes, we're going to take some away. What did they do in that scenario? From an Australian point of view, we've kept them all. Um, I can't remember the exact numbers from Global, but we had a lot and more than any other brand. We were close to 300 Global Toyota sponsors. Um, that we would use in, in kind of content and campaigns. Um, 
it might have dropped slightly, but I think we still had a healthy number, mm. but I can't remember. It's a bit while, a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Cause I know for like a lot of Olympic athletes that like, you know, they only get put on TV once every four years. And if they don't have a sponsor, it's like incredibly hard to, you know, make a living out of, you know, what they do. Yeah. I think, I think mostly it was just um, extending their contracts by a year mm. because we still, still want to, we definitely want to support them, but we want to be able to utilize them and work with them for Tokyo, which was then going to be the year later. So I, I think for the most part, we just extended. Kels, I reckon um, in COVID pivot was like the most common word ever used. Um, but I, I can yeah. understand like everyone was saying, oh, we'll just, we'll just pivot and do something else or we'll just change tact and, and change. But what does that actually look like when you're, you know, in the thick of it? Like, is that you just emergency meetings or, you know, having regular meetings to figure out what we're going to do, or is it just told to you what you're going to do? Like, how does that all work? And how do you actually pivot? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think it's a mixture, you know, there's definitely going to be some directive from above. Um, and there's definitely an element of like, pause, look at your budgets. What can we do smarter? You know, we don't want to be wasting that money. Um, so a lot of things were kind of what we, what we can look at from a cost efficiency point of view. Um, and yeah, you know, we had that whole extra year to go. So just trying to be smart with it. Um, but then, then it's up to you as, as kind of individual teams to see what you can do and come back to the table with. So you finished the Olympics, you come back to Melbourne, then what, what, where did you go next with Toyota? Yeah. Yeah. I moved back to Melbourne, um, back to, uh, head office in Melbourne in national marketing. And I joined the Digi team there. Um, so my role was in partnerships there from a kind of loyalty marketing perspective to Toyota customers, um, which was really great because I still got to tap into the sports, uh, sports sponsorships that Toyota have, as well as some kind of more bespoke sponsorships for that program. Mm. Yeah. What were the sports sponsorships that you were across? Um, so AFL. Olympics. So sm small AFL contract. <laughs> Tiny. Yeah. My involvement on the smaller side, not, <laughs> not, not the key contact, uh, but essentially, and, and, you know, I'd been around a while and knew kind of what, um, what things are included as benefits and just trying to get my hands on them so I can use them in, uh, in marketing comms for our, yeah, our audience. So it'd be things like, yeah, trying to get promotions together for kind of grand final giveaways, um, anything I could get to help engage our audience, which we were trying to grow from a CRM perspective. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you, do you, what, do you know what was, the, what the size of the Toyota contract was with the AFL in their recent agreement? I believe. Ryan, do you know this? I don't think it's, it's public, public knowledge. So like, <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it public? Yeah, I got an, I'm pretty sure I got announced. That's why I've I don't, I, reckon, <laughs> I don't know the number. I reckon no. you can Google it because it's something astronomical. I would think it's tens of millions. Maybe oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Tens of millions, maybe more. <laughs> Who knows? I'm just guessing. I'm pretty sure it was it, like it, the largest sponsorship in Australian sport. Yeah, I think it would be. Someone can fact check me on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mm. think it it would. it's definitely the biggest. So, and it, and it wouldn't be under 10, surely. So, I think. Yeah, it, it'd be humongous. That's a lot of tickets. And I say that because they're yeah. <laughs> Toyota's Cricket Australia partnership. I used to sort them out, which was good, knowing that they were probably going to use Chels, which is fantastic. Yeah, I definitely got rid of a lot of those. There we go. They extended their 33-year sponsorship. 33 mil. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's 33 no, years that's, with the Adelaide Crows. Crows yeah. Adelaide Crows. Maybe it was... um. It might have been like crypto.com or something. I swear there was one massive AFL partnership that I swear the dollar figure came out and I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Someone can find that for me. Anyway. Hey, I've, got um, it I've got it here. So it's AFL has signed a record four years sponsorship deal with Toyota at 18 and a, 18 and a half a year. Wow. There the you go. $74 million deal um, is the biggest sports sponsorship deal in Australian history. So there you go. There oh, you wow. go. Huge. You were right, Rubes. It is public. How can thank I you. Thank you. <laughs> Validation for you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, so of that sort of 74 million contract, which which parts were filtering down to you? You mentioned the engagement at the grand final, that stuff. What else? Yeah. Um, so in that role, it was mainly ticketing. 
um, there were a few things that we tried to get over the line that didn't quite happen, but yeah, so there are definitely some kind of customer engagement activities we tried to get up and running, but otherwise, yeah, a lot of ticketing, um, even special offers. Um, so we get like discounted ticketing through the AFL and push out to our database to sell tickets. Um, so it was a lot, yeah ticketing based it was kind of money can't buy experiences um via competitions to you know win tickets to the corporate box plus merch plus flights plus a com um so those sort of activities and and how did you find working on um uh the brand side of a of a contract like this because ron and i've both been rights holder side did you ever look at the rights holder side and think oh the grass is greener over there or did you like the brand side what was your perspective of that relationship um, I've always thought, yeah, the rights holder sports side would be more exciting to be closer to it, but I've not got there yet. So I don't know. <laughs> I find it yeah. so interesting. Like, I don't think like looking back on it now, I didn't probably appreciate, I guess, how the sponsorship, say Toyota, for instance, how it feeds down to all the different parts of your business. Like I think when you're when you're in the mixer of it, you're just like, oh, you know, sort their tickets out or sort their money can't buys out, and you don't know where they're going. But like listening to you there talk about like how you were sort of trying to leverage all these bits of the partnership, like a money can't buy experience for you is probably super super critical to a campaign you're running because someone will, someone's going to want to do that boundary walk, and that's going to lead to more sales. Oh. So it's like you just don't really appreciate it until you sort of hear somebody talking about the impact that it actually has. For sure. And um, from from when I worked on the Adelaide Crows sponsorship and did all the ticketing there, um, from that side, there was a lot of internal engagement as well, um, you know, employees of the company as well as our dealer network. Um, so that was really important to use those tickets for, for that kind of networking purpose. Um but one thing that I really loved with that that role I did um, in national office in partnerships was was really seeing the results of the campaigns we would run and kind of what what was working. Um, and so the definitely the kind of corporate hospitality packages, um, even just to a corporate box, um, and then obviously grand final. Like the results were huge in those kind of CRM metrics. Were, the, were these being used as prizes or prizes? Yeah, right. yeah. So like you'd run a quiz or raffle or something yeah I would do um I did a lot of kind of test and learn through this role and I loved it and being able to just see the results so quickly what was working um but for these I really wanted to make it easy to enter a competition because I was just very wary that people just can't be bothered to answer 25 words or less um so I did them as a game of chance so it's just like enter details enter the random draw um and yeah we've got a lot higher numbers of of entries doing it that way and that the prize was good um so i'd i'd realized kind of throughout the process of the year that just giving away a competition to win two ga reserve tickets it, it really wasn't worth my time like mm. the, the effort and admin involved to to kind of to bring that to life wasn't worth it for the kind of engagement and results and i was better just kind of putting that effort into a bigger bigger promotion mm. So, so I'm guessing you were testing the number of applicants you would get based on the prize as well. Yep. How did yep. how did that change? Um. Yeah. I mean, grand final, as you would yeah. expect, <laughs> went gangbusters. Um. So it was uh probably two thirds higher than a corporate box uh, competition prize. Um. And then yeah, just the general tickets didn't perform that well. Mm. And then I'm guessing like you know, Toyota wants all these leads so they can start to market them to sell them cars. Do you, do you remember like what the uh, like sort of cost per acquisition cost you were working towards to get a lead to mm. potentially sell them on a car? Like, do you remember some of the economics around that? I love your question, but no. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, um, I was focused love on, so that. we, <laughs> yeah, don't we all? <laughs> um, so we, our database, it was quite big. It was, uh, all Toyota car owners and it was a mixture of those who'd signed up to our app um our loyalty app which you could book your service um you'd get contacted about warranties and then it had this whole reward side which is what I looked after so we really wanted people 
signing up to that app so that they were more engaged and so they'd be more likely to book their service and to do their things with Toyota. Um, so there was, there was quite a bucket that we know they own a car, but they hadn't registered. And so I was really trying to prompt them to, to cross over, which is, uh, it was difficult to do. Mm. And like when you are working with the AFL and something like this, how do you get the AFL on side to understand you know, what your goals are? I feel like it was quite simple. Um, you know, I, I didn't need to be in the kind of weekly whips with them because I was a bit more removed. So I would just do kind of planning at the start of the season and be like, here are the things I want to hit. Here's what I need from you. Um, and they were always like very good to, to me and, mm. and, and the company. Um, so yeah, I didn't usually have too many issues and I'd always be like willing to try something new. Um, you know, I, I liked trialing the offers um, where, you know, essentially everyone can access it rather than a competition, which only maybe a few people could potentially win. Um, so yeah, I just really love playing around with what you could do and kind of seeing what works and, um, yeah, the AFL were, yeah, they were great. It sounds like the AFL and Toyota partnership just runs smoothly, like, sorry, runs really smoothly given, you know, the size of the partnership and how long they've been working together. Um, are there some other partnerships or some examples of campaigns that might not have gone so well? You don't need to name who it is or you can, doesn't matter, but it just sounds like this is so smooth, but I'm sure it's not always as easy as that, right? Do you want a sports example or just yeah, kind of any? Maybe a sport, yeah. if there's one. Yeah, I don't think I can think of any. Well, do it really well at Toyota. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you had a crack no, at think, two GA I mean, tickets and nobody signed up to the EDM. <laughs> I think, you know, sporting organizations are so big as well. Like the big organizations, they've got processes. So yeah, I've generally found working, yeah, you know, they're good, good business people. So mm. I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had any issues working with sports. Nice. Mm. And so you worked in the AFL for a while. Mm. When did you start to feel like, all right, it's time to explore something new? Um, It actually was... A little while ago, um, probably that the seed was planted while I was in Japan. Um, that was a really just like growth period of my life um, that I just started to dream bigger um, and just started realizing that there was a world where I could work on an Olympics again and, you know, there'd be a career path in, the, in that. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of in the back of my mind and I was just trying to figure out the stepping stones to get there. Um and then where I've ended up now at the comedy festival, I see that as a stepping stone. It's a major event, um, you know, a step outside of corporate to a, yeah, you know, an organization of a major event. Um, and yeah, with men, many similarities, I think that will cross over to sport when I get there. So yeah, the Olympic effect, they'll, they'll yeah. make you dream yeah. big. <laughs> Team Boxall yeah. rocking the the uh, the rail will really get you inspired. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's awesome. waiting for uh, it at Paris, don't you reckon? <laughs> absolutely absolutely um and so now in your role at melbourne comedy festival what does the day-to-day -day look like I'm, i know it's still early but uh have you found it a regular day-to-day -day yet yeah just just getting there i'm uh, about a month in um so things are starting to fall into place which is good um so the festival is late march into late april um so so far it's been the kind of early planning phase so it's a lot of partner discussions with partners kind of from last year. Uh, so a lot of them are year to year. Um, so it's kind of checking in on, you know, proposals for the year ahead, uh, a lot of reading, you know, getting myself up to speed what's happened previously, you know, reading previous partner reports. Um, so yeah, a lot of kind of just like research of what's happened so far. And then a lot of just like reaching out, getting face-to-face -face time or meeting, meeting who I need to, because a lot, a lot of partners, a lot of stakeholders and um, yeah, just trying to get in front of people before Christmas and start building those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot, lot of coffee time and face-to-face. Yeah. -face and... A lot of walking around the city too, which is a lot of fun because uh, a lot of partners are, are venues and um, even bars and things in the city. Mm. Um, so I, I'm getting like a huge step count compared to what I did before, which I'm really enjoying that side effect. <laughs> yeah, well, it's completely different to when you're trying to make relationships during COVID. So yeah, yeah. they had to come out the other side of it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, how are the, what are the, you know, I guess the different parts to these kind of partnerships than what you've dealt with before? Or is it, is it kind of the same language everyone's speaking? Uh, yes and no. Um, 
I think the the different part to me is uh, more of a hospitality side. That's not like a set corporate hospitality package that, you know, comes in a venue. Um, so the festival is takes over the city every year as, as new. So there's, you know, permits with councils to, to take over venues. So um, there's no structures in place that are the festival. It's built every year. Um, and then... I'm working on relationships with bars around the city that we'll work with for kind of corporate hospitality and for kind of um, partnership functions and things like that. So um, I'm definitely learning the names and and places of lots of bars and restaurants that I wasn't aware of. And um, I'm quite enjoying that because post Japan, I had a personal goal to understand the CBD more and it never happened. But now it is. I love that goal. That's yeah. so good. And, and so any good. bars that you can recommend? Oh, so many. Where can we have our next meetup? Yeah. yeah. Well, sports you have grad a big pub group, call. so it's going to be a big venue. Well, maybe we'll make it a sports grad pro group uh, meetup. Yeah. How many is that? Well, the, we've got a bit over, we've just done the intakes. There's a, there's over a hundred pro, me- pro members now. Mm. And I'd say what, maybe 30, 40 are in Melbourne or so. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, you get a bit of drop off, you're yeah. 20 odd, maybe. There is mm. a really nice new one that we've kind of got on board. We're working with this year is um, Bossley, which is uh, the kind of um, bar restaurant at the Ridges, which is up near Parliament End. Um, so it's a new hotel. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and that's newly opened. Um, so we're working with them on a few things this year, but that, um, that bar is beautiful. Bossley. Oh, yeah, okay. Bossley. I'll have to keep that in yeah. mind. <laughs> we, we know where to go now, Roofs. Chelsea's our bar expert in Melbourne. Yep. Yeah, definitely that kind of top end of town, like Russell Street up to Parliament. Mm. Um, that's where a lot I know a lot about now. Awesome. Um, for people looking to get into this partnership space, are there any particular skills you'd recommend honing in on? Yeah, attention to detail, I think, is paramount when it comes to contracts and, um, yeah, inclusions, um, as well as, you know, you need to make sure you deliver on all of those. So, um I love a kind of project management board um, that can you can visually kind of see um, requirements or if there's multiple people involved, you can kind of move it across to who's responsible. That's, you know, not a spreadsheet way, you know, something a bit more live and reactive. Um, so I've used Asana in the past, which I loved. Um, and currently at the new workplace, we use Monday, which I know you guys use. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, th- those sort of tools, I think are just great. That's a good one. We haven't had that one before. Like yeah. get used to learning project management tools. Usually it's like, you know, you know, better communication or something like that. But practically, if you're going to be in this platform every day, you should know how to use it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Before we wrap up, any final advice that you would give to anybody looking to get their start in uh, partnerships? Good question. I think there's so many avenues, right? I think finding your core interest and niche that you want to get into. Um, and then I think just be willing to do what it takes, like do the grunt work. Don't be too above anything because I mean, even you, you, when you work your way up, you still have to do some things that are, you know, not the most glamorous, but it's just kind of get your hands dirty and get things done. And I personally think that's a lot of fun. And what, what's next Chelsea? We know comedy festival, but where after that? Uh, so I have my flights booked for Paris next year. Very excited. I will actually get to an Olympics. Amazing. Awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So heading over there, definitely to experience the games and um, hoping to get some work of some sort if uh, anyone out there knows. You should contact um, Penelope Roth, who's in the pro community. Have you seen her name come up? We are actually having a call next week. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) You got someone on the ground. Yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful thing about the sports crowd community. Who, if you're not part of it and you're listening, living <laughs> people in Paris already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm excited to to be there. I've got um, I bought tickets to the canoe slalom at the Olympics, and then I bought some tickets to some para events. Um, so I'm excited to be there. Worst case, as a spectator, but hopefully, um, can get a bit more involved. Um, nice. yeah. So that'll be Jess Fox in the canoe. Yep. Yeah, oh, I booked awesome. uh, the semi-final women's day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a gun. Excellent. Yeah. so good. Nice. 
Well, Chels, it has been awesome having you on. I know we've wanted to get you on for a, a few weeks or a few months now. So it's um it's fantastic to have you on and just hearing about your journey. Um, that's only really starting. I feel like you've done so much in your career and like you're just getting set to do some amazing things in, in the next five, 10 years and beyond. So it's been awesome just hearing about your experience at Toyota, getting over to Japan. And uh, we're absolutely stoked that you can uh, finally get to an Olympics next year. So um, <laughs> thanks again Thank for joining you. us. And um, we're looking forward to coming to the comedy festival. So we'll hit you up. For some yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. I'm super pumped to be getting closer to the world of sports. You know, next, next step, I'll be there. Guys, it's time now for the people's segment. Everybody's favorite segment of the SportsGrad podcast, Ask SportsGrad where every week we answer a question directly from our community. If you'd like to ask a question first, you've got to become a SportsGrad member. You can join our waitlist for our next intake in February 2024 by going to our website, sportsgrad.com.au slash community. You can ask all your questions in our special Discord channel called Ask SportsGrad. Now, Rubes, this one comes from Ari, great man. Uh, I've applied for a few full-time roles and was happy with my application. I was just wondering if anyone here has followed up an application with an email or a phone call after applying to touch base with the employer about how I went with the interview. Great question, Ari, and a very common problem. A lot of people getting left on scene by the HR teams who can't get back to everybody. So there's a few things to, to touch on here. First, I'm going to give you the employer's perspective. Then I'm going to give you a reactive approach and how to follow up after you've applied for the job. And then I'm going to give you a proactive approach so that you actually don't get left on scene again. So to give you a perspective on employers in sport, for popular entry to mid-level jobs, they're getting hundreds of applications. And I'm not exaggerating when I say, say that. So they literally cannot get around to getting back to everybody who applies. So if you never hear from them again, it's not because they don't like you, they don't want to help you. There's just not enough time in the day for them to treat everybody as everyone would probably like to be treated and get the feedback that they would like to be treated. That is the unfortunate reality of a lot of jobs in sport. There's just so many people to reject. So if you want to get some feedback or find out where things are at, I would go onto LinkedIn, connect with them and, uh, and follow up in a, in a polite manner. Just say, hey, send my application in, was wondering where it's at, but you don't want to do that too soon. So I would probably wait a week and a half. I think about 10 days is about the right amount of time. Within a week, it's kind of like, you're st- you know, they're probably still interviewing people, sorting through things. Within two weeks, that's probably when they've had enough time to, to get through everyone or if you want to find out when the right time to follow up is, ask in your interview. So I would wait probably 10 days to, to follow up and I'd go through LinkedIn, I'd use an email if you can, or if you have a connection inside the organization, then that can help you as well. Now, a way to not get left on scene a second time is actually get to know the interviewers and get to know the hiring manager before you apply for the job. So if you see a job come up, I would reach out to the person who's hiring and I would say to them, hey, I'm interested in your job. Is there any chance I can have a quick chat to you to see if I'm a good fit? And if you can get on the phone with them before you've even applied, when your application comes in and when you see the time to, to follow up, whether it be after you send in your resume or after you interview, because you have a pre-existing relationship with this person now, they are going to be a lot more inclined to follow up with you. So I would do the work in advance to make sure that you get the feedback at the end. Yeah, love that. Love that. I think big one with this is not pestering them. Like sometimes you've got to you got to sort of swallow the bitter pill. Um, and like you said, I think 10 days is probably a good amount of time. Like you don't want to be that person that follows up within a day or two days because then that probably just puts more stress on them. Um, but also like if it's been a couple of weeks say and they haven't got back to you, I think the LinkedIn message is great because you can always be like, you know, hey, like it was great to interview last week. Understand I might not have got it because it had been a bit of time, but you could be like, you know, would love to be kept top of mind for, for the next role that might come along um, and hopefully I might be successful there. So you're not, you're not sort of 
you're kind of admitting defeat, but you're also remaining in their in their mindset um, and taking it like a like a champ. You know, so it's it's a tough tough one to go through, but I think getting to know them first of all is probably the the key to that. Exactly right. The worst thing you can do is put the wrong impression on their mind going forward when you're unsuccessful. Yeah, totally. I like the I like what you said about the question, like ask in the interview how long I should wait to follow up. I think that's good. It kind of puts the pressure on them as well to give you a, a good a good answer. So that's it. And if they give you an answer, then they are going to want to stick by their word and and do what they say. So, you know, make them commit. Totally. Great question, Ari. Um, that's a good one and, and something that comes across our desk uh, pretty regularly. Well, if you'd like to ask us a question or ask our friends in sport a question, uh, become a SportsGrab member. Like I said, head to our website right now to join the waitlist for our next intake, which is happening in February 2024. And you can jump on any of our member events, ask any of our friends in sport questions that come up. Um, and it's your go-to network uh, to get a job in the industry. In the meantime, find us on LinkedIn. If you know anyone who'd enjoy the show, send it to them and give us some love with a rating. If you love it, subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, one last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the SportsGrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join.